Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. Yo. Yo. We're, uh, <laughs> so we were talking about... Um, we're talk- we're uh, we're drinking tea and we're talking about the tea. So <laughs> yeah, you uh, we were talking about man, what is what are all the actors on you watching Scream Six and you're like, man, these guys, what's what is their workout routine? They yeah. they you know it's like they're superhumans. They're jumping from buildings to yeah. buildings and picking up you know people with one hand by the throat, throwing yeah. them across the earth. Yeah. And I said, you know, everybody's on the tee nowadays because it's so accessible. You know, back in the day, um, it wasn't that people weren't on the tee, but it wasn't. It was it harder. Was yeah. Like it was real underground black market type stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you knew a guy at the gym. Everybody yeah. kind of knows him. Yeah. And uh, if he knows you and trusts you, you might be able to get a couple cycles from him. Yeah. Um, but it's, nowadays, it, it's yeah. like I set up an appointment. I get some tea from my doctor. That's my yeah, guy. And, and, one thing that they're, I think they're trying to crack down on this right now, but like when you just said that, like I go see my doctor, it's like, you don't even have to do that. Like you can do telehealth stuff where they will, you still may have to get some blood tests or whatever, but I have a buddy who's been doing this stuff for years. Like the, he's the doctor and he, I know he does like TR, you know, hormone placement and all that stuff. And, and a huge number of, I think all his patients are now through just you know zoom or whatever so it's like they're trying to crack down on that i think they're trying to make it so you actually have to physically go to the doctor but um but then a lot of times you don't even have to go to a doctor you can go to like a chiropractor or something like that and then they have a doctor sign off on prescriptions so it's uh i mean it's it's funny because you know it it's one of those things you 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 read about people with low testosterone and it's such a ambiguous thing because testosterone levels go up and down like literally all day long like you could measure somebody's testosterone 30 minutes later an hour later it's probably gonna be totally different and one measurement might be quote-unquote low um then the range that they have for low is insane it's, it's like oh 300 to a thousand or whatever i'm like uh, that seems like a broad range to me <laughs> like you know it's so it's there's a lot of um, dubious science because i think it's just one of those things that most guys, especially guys that grew up in the 80s, you grew up in the Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone era of action movies. And so you look at that, you're like, man, I want to be jacked like that dude. So you start lifting some weights, start drinking that protein powder. A few years go by. You probably look a little better, but for most of us, it's not like somebody's going to be like, bro, are you like Stallone's body double? It's like, no, it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. And those guys were on the, the sauce, the juice, whatever you want to say. So they kind of gave unrealistic expectations to the generation coming up because nobody would talk honestly about steroids. So now you have a generation that sort of grew up around that. And it's like you get like 30, 40, whatever. And it's like it's almost like the midlife crisis where the guy used to buy the Porsche and, you know, marry the younger woman or whatever. Now it's the guys like, you know what? I'm going to see how jacked I can get, but I'm going to do it legally, quote unquote, because I'm just replacing the testosterone that I once had. Mm -hmm. And so it's like these guys that are like 45, 50 years old, 
And all of a sudden they're like more muscular than they've ever been in their life. And it's like, well, I'm just, I'm like, I, I don't mind somebody doing it. But to me, it's like, let's just call it what it is. And that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think it's a generational thing? In other words, yeah. do you, like, for example, there are people that grew up at a certain time where they were just like, weed is, is, is going to be the downfall of the world. Yes. Like, right. that yeah. is the devil's drug. Yep. And now it's, you're seeing it like you can, again, go to your doctor. Yeah have yeah. it prescribed and, and there's doctors here in texas yep. you know and and the generation nowadays it's growing up that's growing up now being born today growing up yeah. it's like it's just like regular medicine yeah you know what i mean it's something that yeah. you would take a doctor prescribed it for certain reasons it's yeah. medicine they don't yeah. see it any different as maybe claritin yeah um do yeah. you think uh testosterone replacement is kind of the same thing like yeah. it, it's a generational thing where Maybe our generation, because we grew up and it was very black market, underground, you know what I mean? Like it was, and, 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 a, and a, a large part of it, I know in my generation was like, it's cheating, you're yeah. cheating, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like, I always, when I hear T, it's like, that's the word that pops to my head. Oh, you're yeah. cheating. Yeah. But nowadays, um, you have a lot of medical doctors, um, influencers that are just like, no, man, it's medicine to live your best life. I mean, Joe Rogan's real big on that, right? Like, Hey, this yeah. is, this is, uh, pr basically prescribed medicine for me to live, to be the best version of myself physically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, I think you're right. I think it definitely is generational. Um, because I don't think that it was, I mean, there was, there's been steroids for a long time for, you know, for aesthetics and for sports. Um, but for, people that were neither. And what I mean by that is like, you're not making your money from how you look or performing on the field. That I think is, is newer in terms of like, you know, our generation is much is, is is looks at aging differently. Like when I grew up, somebody my age now was old, you know, it was like the idea, like you get past like 30, you're going to be fat. You're going to be this, you're gonna be that. It was just like accepted that people, didn't work out, didn't do whatever. And then for whatever reason, our generation looked at it differently. And so, um, you know, a lot of people my, my age and your age are, are in good shape and, and still working out. And I know people that are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years older than me that are still in really good shape. So I think the mentality about getting older has changed. Now, to me, all these things are like sort of a the, the gray area and tribute to your t-shirt you got going on there. But the gray area to me is always the truth because it's like saying that it's cheating in sport, it gives you an enormous advantage. So, so if it's against the rules, like an MMA and like most sports, it, it is cheating. I mean, I think it totally is. Um, in life, it certainly has a lot of pluses in terms of like, you know, there's no question that testosterone, you know, is going to build muscle. Maybe it creates more sort of assertive, aggressive personality traits and stuff like that. Um, However, there's always a balance in nature with things. And it's like, as you insert more artificial hormones into your body, your body's going to downregulate its own production of them. And to me, that essentially means like, once you get on that train, you're not getting off that train. Like psychologically, because I know people that have tried to stop testosterone and they've had like severe depression. Um, and a lot of some of the bodybuilders that are honest, somebody like Dorian Yates, who basically stopped all steroids when he stopped competing, he talked about just going through like a year and a half of just complete depression before his body was finally able to start making some of its own hormones. And, and he's on TRT anyway. So um, 
so I think it's one of those things. If you decide to do it, you you're going to do it for the rest of your life. That's that's basically the way I look at it. Um, and with all those things, I look at it like it's fine to do it, but is it necessary? And when I start hearing people talk about when they were younger, I'm like either their experience being young was very different than mine, or they are forgetting a whole lot of things about being young. Because I always hear people like, oh, when I was in my 20s, I'd never get hurt. I could stay up all night. And I'm like, I got hurt a lot when I was in my 20s. And if I didn't sleep, I always felt terrible. Like, it hasn't changed that much. If anything, I think I actually need less rest now than I did 20, 25 years ago. I think I'm more hardy now than I was when I was younger. So I don't know if I believe that that's true. I think that's sort of a story that they want to tell themselves because they want to do testosterone. They want to see like, what is my body actually capable of with artificial means? And again, I have no problem with that, but this whole idea of like, oh, I'm just getting back my youthful vigor. It's like, no, no, you're not. You're trying to do something more, which is fine. Well, let's just call it what it is. Like you want to take legal steroids, basically. And again, I got no problem with that, but stop pretending it's something that it's not, you know? Cause it's like, and it's funny cause in jiu-jitsu, a sport like jiu-jitsu, um, steroid use is rampant to the point where they, they finally started testing. They busted like five of the top names in jiu-jitsu for steroids. And then the, the IBJJF literally was like, we're going to stop testing. Like they, they busted five huge names. And then like, what do they do? Like literally a couple weeks later, like, yeah, we're just going to stop testing. And I think even the athletes are starting to be like, now they're not even hiding it. They're like, no. yeah, I, I juice yeah. now. Yeah. And I think and that's a smart way to go about it because I, I as that. long as you continue to try to hide it, yeah. it makes it look like you're doing something wrong, yes. right? Yeah. But the moment you're just like, yeah, I'm juicing, everybody juices, this is yeah. what we're doing, it's, it's, it's normal, then it does become normal. Oh, like right. 10 years from now, if they don't create any rules around yeah. uh, steroid use, it will just be something normal, right? Like, yeah, yeah people. Yeah, I mean, they... they yeah. And I, again, I have mixed feelings about it because I think that I, I like you, I would prefer that they be honest about it because the problem to me when they're not honest, and this is something that happens in for for whatever reason in Hollywood all the time, which is weird because they don't, there's nothing really, I think, illegal about it per se. I'm talking about like the actors, like these guys that get like, you know, you could say like the rock or whatever, but I'm talking about even like the, you know, the action guys that get all buff for certain roles. And it's like, you hear them talk on talk shows and they're like, oh, I just had chicken breasts and rice for a year. And it's like, maybe, but you also took steroids. <laughs> and it's like, I don't understand why they don't, they're so dishonest about it. The only one I've ever heard talk about it, the two I just said, Stallone and Schwarzenegger, are the only two I've ever heard are like, oh yeah, I took steroids. Stallone got busted with HGH at one point. He's like, whatever, makes my life better. Screw off. Look how I look. I'm 70 years old. Do you look like this? No. Boom. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. Perfect. I love it. But with all these guys, it's like, and and I don't know if they're, they have to sign some sort of non-disclosure agreement with the studio or something like that, but it's, but it's weird because it's so obvious and yet you never hear them talk about it. Do you think Stallone and Arnold are good test case for, and I know it's like really not a scientifically it's not, but like are good, are a good test case for long-term steroid use yeah i think I they've think been they, using it forever time, and, and i remember seeing that interview with arnold and i what i what i really really admired is how candid he was yeah. about it 
He's like, yeah, yeah I used it. He goes, I, I absolutely used it when yeah. I was competing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, so. I, I, I think they are. I, I think respect they both are. I mean, and it's, it's funny because, you know, when you look at a lot of the fighters from, I saw pictures of, uh, do you remember who Kimo Leopoldo was? He fought Hoist Gracie in, in yes. UFC 3. Yes. So Kimo was an enormous dude who got busted for steroids and crystal meth and stuff like that. And if you see him now, it's like, ooh. Like he's just deflated and like, ugh. and then if you see uh, Mark Coleman, who was another guy fought in the mid nineties, who was big jacked wrestler from Ohio. And now he's just like a shriveled old man. And he's not, he's only like, I don't know, four or five years older than me. He's like in his mid fifties and he looks not good. Um, so there, there, that could be sort of a counter argument for abuse of steroids at a certain point amongst other things. But, but yeah, I think Stallone, especially is an interesting case because Stallone is, he's 76 now. And I watched Tulsa King, which is a pretty good show. And it's like, dude, he's, he's killing it still. I mean, he looks good. Like he's, I don't know, to me, he's pretty impressive. And it's like, so if people are like, it's going to kill you, it's going to do this, do that. It's like, dude, if I die at 76, like looking like Stallone, cool. That's a success. <laughs> that's, that's for if, if I take these things and they just kill me at that point, sign me up. I'm in. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, but it, it's just weird to me that all these guys are Here's the, I think the problem with hiding it or, or lying about it is that I always look at the, the impressionable young people. And in this case, it's more young men that are going to see this. And when you see the jiu-jitsu competitors or when you see the actors looking a certain way, um, cause I remember I was a quote unquote aspiring young actor at one point and I watched, um, what was that movie called? The big hit with Mark Wahlberg and a bunch of people. It was like 1997, 98. I remember. Like and they were all like jacked. There's this scene where they're all like got their shirts off. And I remember being like, man, I'm never going to look like that. And I remember I talked to this woman who um, had been a bodybuilder. And she's like, you know, all those guys are taking steroids, right? I'm like, no, no, they wouldn't. And she's like, they are all taking steroids. That's why they look like that. Plus their special lighting. Plus they dieted down for that scene, probably dehydrated themselves the day before. Like, and especially, you know, there's, they, they take a lot of artificial means to look that way for a very small amount of time. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes it, I feel a little better, you know, because I was like comparing myself to, to somebody in a way that I was never going to look like that way naturally. Um, so I, to me, that's the problem with a lot of that stuff is they just, they're just not honest about this. And so you give false expectations to people. And then it's like, then they start doing these things in order to look this way. And obviously like social media and influencers has gotten really bad because again, a lot of these guys are lying their ass off. They're like, Oh no, I'm just natural, bro. It's just, you just got to follow my diet plan and my workout here, pay me 10 bucks a month and I'll show you how to do it. Um, so I'd much prefer someone who's honest about it. Same thing in jujitsu, but I have to, I think that the problem with it doing it in jujitsu is you're inherently limiting the accessibility of the sport. And to me, I got into jujitsu with, I, I fell for maybe what was the myth, but the idea that the smaller, weaker person could beat the bigger, stronger person. And when all your champions and pretty much all of them are on steroids, especially in ADCC, it's a pretty much a hundred percent, maybe the Rutolo twins. But other than that, it's a hundred percent. If you, if you tested all the guys that won, probably in second place, third place, fourth place, they'd all get busted. So it's like, I, I don't know. So to me, then it's like, then you're just saying it's legal and that's fine. 
but you're never going to be taken seriously as a sport because you look at boxing and, and wrestling and like all the Olympic sports, dude, those guys get tested for real all the time. Even the UFC, it's like, and I know people are still somehow cheating, but it's like, it's way harder because they're me, getting let's, tested all the time. I was just thinking about something interesting, at least to me in my head, to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Can you make the case that actually uh, taking TRT is actually leveling the playing field? And you here's could. what I mean by that, is some people um, are born with the ability and they just produce high T even into their 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And we see their performance, yeah. like they're able, you know, and it's just something that they're able to perform at a high level for a very long time. Yep. And um, they were just born with it. Yeah. Um, so could the case be made that actually, T, you know, T replacement actually puts everybody on an equal playing field? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could definitely say that. And I mean, I think that you could also say that TRT lengthens careers. Like um, there was a big scandal with, um, was it Peyton Manning, where he supposedly was getting HGH and it was like delivered to his wife or whatever. And it's like, it was this big scandal. And it's like, man, the guy had severe nerve issues in his neck. Like his right arm was like totally numb for like years or whatever. And like, okay, he took some HGH so he could play longer. It's like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the idea of doing that. I, to me, it's just like, let's just line, let's just sort of delineate out that you can do those kind of things and, and just be done with it and just say it's fine. Um, or let's say it's strictly illegal and be done with that as well. But let's just put the cards on the table. Because again, I think that, you know, I used to get in these debates about pot, you're talking about weed, like, like you, I mean, I've, I've eaten like hemp seeds before and stuff like that. So I've consumed marijuana products, but I have never smoked pot in my life, but I've always been very much for legalization, but I've also lived, I had roommates that literally smoked pot three times a day, every day for years. So to me, it's a gray area. I think it should be legal. However, this idea of, oh, it enhances creativity. Yeah, maybe with some people. But it certainly makes people I knew really freaking lazy, doing nothing, making a lot of plans, talking on, and then just passing out. And I watch that happen every day. So making this idea of like, it's like, oh, it does all these things. Yeah, sometimes. But you know what? These people that it makes them creative, they were probably already creative people to begin with. Hey, these, when people, when the, when your roommates were high, what kind, what type of plans were they making? Okay, so so for instance, these guys were were snowboarders. We're gonna go snowboarding. I lived with these dudes for a year. They never went snowboarding one time, but the number of times they said they were going to go like 50, 60 times, probably <laughs> like it, it just, so it's just, it's one of these things that it's like, people want to pluck out the best examples. Oh, this, these musicians or this or that. Okay, cool. But what about the 99% who aren't that you're just a stoned idiot who's wasting time and money when you could be doing something productive. So it's like, I think some, I think it should be legal, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like being around it. I think it's bullshit. I think that the benefits are wildly exaggerated because it's been illegal. To me, that's the problem with these things. When you make something illegal, like now you can't really study it. You can't really whatever. If it had been legal the whole time, they'd be like, well, it's, it's okay for this. And it's, it's okay. It probably would get like a B, a B minus. But because it's illegal, it's either an F or an A plus. And I'm like, it's neither. It's probably a B minus. Nothing wrong with that. 
people. Let's not go crazy. That's it. Oh, CBD oil. Oh, oh it helps all my, my engine. I use CBD. For you know like what? I, I think I hate that more than anything. I hate the CB like, and again, don't use any of the products or, or, or whatever. It's just not, just not me, but right. I hate like if you're like, I hate hemp product or CBD oil or all that stuff. Like just, if you're going to do it, just, just, right. just smoke the weed, man, right. or, or, or take the weed. I don't think yeah. that oil, that CBD oil is going to do anything for I, you. I don't think it does anything. Like I, I took it for a long time because I was like, oh, can, oh, this is going to do whatever. Dude, it did nothing. And people are like, oh, it calms me down. I'm like, no. Like I, it just, no, if you want to, if you want to calm down, you need to go. You need the real deal. You need the THC. Well, now, here's what I'll say because you know, from my past experience on it, I'm with you. Like they should just legalize it, and I have no problem even. From a, a medicinal standpoint, and I'll tell you why. I never encountered a situation. I, I never, not once, ever encountered a violent situation yeah. Yeah. because somebody had hit the bong. Yeah, never, yeah. Not yeah. once. Yeah. You, you know yeah. what I mean? If anything, yeah. there were like my biggest fans, my biggest supporters. Yeah. yeah. Just and but I tell you almost. On the flip side, 99% yeah. of the people that cause problems were always drunk. They were drunk. Always yeah. drunk. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and so it's because you and I are, are a rare breed in terms of like, you know, we're not, we don't drink and we don't do drugs. And like most people our age duped some of that, maybe all of it. And so it's like a, it's a, <laughs> it's an interesting thing when you go through most of life or life sober um, because it's like, Again, I go back to the gray thing, like with with the TRT, with the weed, with the booze. Um, there's th the arguments on both sides aren't wrong. You know what I mean? Like the arguments for like not drinking to me are very strong. The arguments for drinking. In my mind are weaker, but I'm sure there's people that that have the opposite point of view. And there are people I know that I respect that that drink and it's like. So maybe they're they're right on that for them, and maybe I'm right for me. But this idea, like it's the worst thing in the world, no. But this idea that it makes life better, I don't think that's necessarily true either. I think it's kind of in the middle, and and it sort of slides one way or the other. And the same thing with weed, and then the same thing with with the TRT or things like that. I mean, like it's it certainly enhances certain things. It certainly probably causes complications. It gets murkier to me in sports where there's contact. Uh, what I mean, and especially combat sports, because when you have the ability to move faster, to be bigger and stronger, that always helps. And so when somebody's in something as innocuous as jujitsu, it's like it's the little battles that they might win. So in other words, like you're fighting for a takedown, and it's like that point where one. Either one, you're going to get thrown or the other guy's going to get thrown. If that guy's got a little more oomph, he's going to throw you. If he wasn't on the TRT, would he be able to do that? You know, that little more oomph just to seal in sort of a, not, not a perfect submission. It's like one of those ones where you're going to have to muscle it a little bit and you got a little more muscle. You're going to get that. Now that's not a necessarily a big deal, but for some of these guys, it is a big deal because it's how they make their living. If they don't, if they lose that match, then they don't get that recognition. So they don't get that BJJ fanatics deal. They're not going to sell as many instructional videos and stuff like that. That's really affecting their paycheck. When it's something like MMA, it's even more so because now the money is a lot more 
the potential damage in terms of brain damage and stuff like that. Because again, you know, you and I were talking like striking is much more timing, speed, things like that. However, I would argue that some of the, you know, uh, supplements that people are taking help with things like, you know, things like EPO help with endurance. So the timing, the speed and all that, if you have that in that fifth round and the other guy is a little bit more tired, you might connect a little bit more. Maybe when that fight, maybe that other guy loses some tokens in terms of, you know, we all, we only have so many tokens we have in, in terms of getting hit until you really start, you know, feeling the negative effects of, of brain damage. And we don't know how many tokens there are until we're out of tokens. Like, and you see those guys, I know you saw them in boxing and I, some of these guys in MMA, you see it now too, but I, you know, I've met some of these boxer guys that are not that old, forties, fifties, whatever. And you listen to them talk, you're like, Ooh, this is not good. And this guy's not that, not that old either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to me, it's like, you, you watch the old, uh, you remember Jerry Cooney? Mm-hmm. Oof, there was a whole special on him and it was just like. It's hard to watch. He died when he was in his mid fifties, but it was like, you watch him when he was like my age and it's like, whew, couldn't remember his fights. Couldn't remember. You watch him shadow box. Like, damn, this guy's still like, it's still scary when he shadow boxes, but it's like, man, he, uh, maybe it was Jerry Corley thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. You, you had the look of like, no, 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 no. It, it, it was, it was Jerry Cooney. I, I just okay. trying to re- remember. Cause I thought he fought Ali cause he was yeah. a heavyweight. I think he did fight Ali. I yeah, that, that's where I know the name from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, um, yeah. Yeah, he fought a lot of great fighters. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a good fighter. I mean, like, but it's just like, so I don't know. I mean, to me with all that, like with, with combat sports, the line needs to be more delineated, I think, because it's like it is, it is cheating with real ramifications. Now, there's other areas in the world where I think it should be, probably encouraged and the military is one that's not talked about very much at all or or if it's talked about it's talked about in a bullshit way so military guys some of them who may or may not live in austin some of them who may or may not have fought in the ufc some of whom i may or may not have trained with before and met before are very adamant in talking about how they're drug tested all the time in the military and therefore they are clean athletes and this is bullshit this is not a true statement. Uh, maybe they're drug tested for some things, sort of, maybe every once in a while. But I've got a good buddy whose son went to Ranger School. And my buddy took steroids when he was playing football. He's always been bodybuilded after that. And he's always been very, very honest about what he's taken. And he's like, my son was on TRT and, and during Rangers because they have qualifications they have to meet, the Ranger Standard of Excellence. And it's like one of these things where it's like the, the standard goes up and up and up as the training goes on and you want to compete. This is usually what needs to be done. And I have no problem with that at all. I think that in things like military and stuff like that. Oh, I agree. I, I've even told you. One, yeah, I've even told you one time that if I was going to be sent off to combat, yeah. I would tell them like, I don't even, you know, whatever the newest thing you're working on right yeah. now. Yeah. Or, you know, TRT or whatever you got, yeah. whatever the best thing you have, I yeah. want it. Yeah. Because if I slip on a freaking rock and I sprain my ankle or whatever, yeah. I want to be able to not, I want to be able to recover quickly. Yes. I want to be able to fight as hard and as long as I can. Yeah. And I'm to me, but always keeping in the mindset that what is best for a warrior 
and, and I mean this like in the literal, you know, military sense, still does not mean that it's good for you. That's yeah. where, where, again, I go the ambiguity. Yeah. Like, this is best for performance, but this is not necessarily best for long-term health. But when you're talking about these things, we're already sort of foregoing long-term health. Like the idea of like, you know, being a Navy SEAL or being these things, it sounds awesome, especially when you're a young guy. Man, you can be so tough when you're doing these things. But when you think about this idea of like, I'm going to not sleep at all. I'm going to do these crazy workouts. I'm going to do all this stuff. That has consequences long term. I would bet that most of these SEAL guys that are my age now, their, oh, their bodies, bodies are, are so wrecked. banged up and so wrecked that, you know, was the juice worth the squeeze? Maybe. Because it's like you see, and it's like funny, you see like a lot of these, I remember seeing like different guys that I've known that have fought. And when they're like somebody like John Haynes right now, that's getting towards his prime and he's just an animal. You see him, he's in such good shape and all that. But then you look at the way they're training and it's like, how long do you have doing that kind of training? Yeah, you know, it's no, getting I, thrown I think, on their head doing this and it's, it's cool to watch, but you're like, yeah. oh, it's not that long. Yeah. It's not Definitely that long. with a professional warrior. And, and again, I'm talking about in the military. Yeah. Um, I think for those guys that go into it, um, and this is just my opinion. I, I think the juice is worth a squeeze for them because yeah. they're, about, they're about the mission, yeah. right? Like they're it's looking life or death. at it's life or death. And, and to me that, but let's ask this question though. So this is something you know more about. What do you think about for law enforcement? Um, that's different because it's not, it's not necessarily. So here's my opinion. And I have no scientific evidence of this. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know what? I don't want to say that because I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I did read an article one time and I, and I tend to kind of, it made a lot of sense for me in the article where the, there was a, there was like more PTSD and mental trauma. Um, because a lot of times when you hear PTSD and mental trauma and the uh, military, it's people that have seen combat. Yeah. Right. And and there is the reality that not everybody in the military is seeing combat. I mean, some people yeah. literally served during, you know, Vietnam and didn't see combat. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but uh, the article uh, written by a doctor was basically talking about in law enforcement. That's not necessarily the case. You know, when you're a brand new rookie, um, you're just every day you're going to go and you're just going to be like, nobody's calling 911 for something good. No one's calling 911 because they got a promotion today. They're calling 911 because they're, they have, they are like, life is so out of control. They need some third party to step in, yeah. um, to try to, to try to gain control of, of the situation. So I think there's a lot of mental trauma, PTSD and long-term effects, um, in law enforcement. I think there's a yeah. lot of alcoholism. Yes. And law enforcement, because it's a way to it's to self-medicate. Um, but in terms of uh, is a police officer seeing combat uh, every day? No, they may not. I mean, you, you, I, I don't think most I think the majority of officers don't even get into a shooting in their entire career. Yeah. Y you know what I mean? Um, they're going to get into a lot of wrestling matches, which is why I'm a big advocate on why law enforcement should absolutely do jujitsu and have to do some, some form of grappling because the yeah. majority of their job is about gaining control, not yeah. necessarily, uh, whooping somebody's ass. Cause you know, I have, um, 
you know, my, my, my natural passion is for boxing. People ask me all the time in law enforcement, they're like, Mo, so should my, my son wants to go through the academy and he wants to become a police officer. And I'm like, that's great. It's a very rewarding and honorable profession. Um, and then they will ask me, you know, uh, but he, they, they want to learn self-defense uh, so they can, you know, handle themselves out there if they need to, what should they do? And they expect me to say boxing because they know my background. Yeah. But I 100% know that 99% of the time you're not trying like people aren't trying to knock you out and you're trying to you're not trying to knock them out they're trying to get away and you're trying to get them into handcuffs yeah. and that is 100% what jujitsu and wrestling is about yeah. you know yeah. what i mean so i uh, i'm a big advocate for that but again going back to um should law enforcement take uh, no, because they're not going to be running up a hill like in Afghanistan and they're not going to sprain an ankle and they're not going to be in this heavy combat without, you know, any resources or anyone to help them for a set amount of days, um, you know, where they're just on foot and yeah. having to keep moving and moving and moving. Um, it, it's more of a mental grind over 30 years. Law enforcement is, you know, you, you have a long career in law enforcement and you're just seeing dead babies, dead bodies every single day. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on where you work, right? Like if, if you're working in a big, uh, in a big city like Detroit or Houston or anything like yeah. that, you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff and, um, and, and it can wear on you. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, do they need to take, is testosterone going to help that? Nah, yeah. nah, but for sure, like, again, going back to the guy, if they're going to tell me, Hey Mo, we're going to drop you off in Afghanistan or we're going to drop you off in the middle of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. like. Dude, give me the juice. Yeah. Give me I, the juice. I want to be yeah. like Universal Soldier, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Good pull, man. Dolph Lundgren. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Um, I, I would add to that with law enforcement, too, um, the optics in terms – and what I mean is that, um, you know, nowadays being a cop, you already have two strikes against you because public sentiment is the way it is, and you've got these city council people that are just – not my kind of people. <laughs> yeah, I and and so because of that, if you have some big jacked cop and any sort of physical confrontation happens, people are automatically going to blame the cop anyway. It doesn't matter. But if it's they clearly have a huge physical advantage as well, the best that can happen is nothing bad happens with that. Um, it, because it already looks in some people's eyes, quote unquote, unfair. So it's like one of those things that I'm not saying I think cops should be in shape. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's not a good thing at all to not be in shape. But if you are like, you know, Ronnie Coleman, the bodybuilder, he used to be a cop. <laughs> and there's pictures of him in his uniform. And it's like, it's ridiculous, dude. I mean, that guy was one of the biggest bodybuilders ever wearing a police officer uniform, wearing the black and white. And you're like, this just looks. So if he ever arrested somebody like Oh, you broke my shit. You know what I mean? Like it just visually, it doesn't look good. And number two, strength always comes into play. Yeah. yeah. Um, in those types of any type of use of force, yes. size and strength will That's always come into play. That's the thing. That's the thing. So to me, it's like it looks unfair. And with military, it's like you want it to be unfair. You want the world to be afraid of you. You want the world to be afraid of the consequences of crossing the United States. But with law enforcement, I to me at least, for it to work well, it should be more about building a relationship with, a good relationship with the community where there's trust on both sides. And part of that is somewhat being accessible. 
and part of being accessible is being relatable. So it's, I don't know, it's a weird thing. That being said, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it, especially if somebody's got injuries and especially if somebody's more doing a lot of hands-on stuff, you know, fugitive task force, SWAT, whatever it might be, something where you are pounding doors down. And I was just going to say that, you know, I'm talking about your, your, your patrol officer, um, but there might be specialized units where maybe, maybe they do. Uh, yeah. get on that tee because you're doing some some very physical yeah. some long working very very long yes uh, i mean and here's the thing is like um you can almost take any for example fighter pilots i forgot what they yeah. were they used to take uh amphetamines basically yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. because go, go. i mean you're going you know i don't know how fast and yeah. uh, time is just different when you're you know when you're in that yeah. in that aircraft and you're fighting yeah. and you got to be a hundred percent focused yep. like every second, yeah. right? Like your yeah. mind has to be locked on and it's, it's almost like, um, that's just not, that's not normal. You're going to no. need something to help you get to that level. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of stigma around, I, look, I don't know where to fall on a lot of this stuff. And I'll tell you why, because just from my past profession, I've seen, I'll give you an example. Um, I remember there was a time when people were knocking off like violent robberies um, of pharmacies. And I was like, what the, what's going on? You know, this, this is kind of new. They're knocking off the pharmacies. And it's because they were trying to get uh, Oxy, right? Yeah. yeah. And I started to think to myself, I was like, okay, so Oxy is just prescribed. It, it, it's, it's legal, right? If you get a prescription right. for it, it's legal. Right. Um, but dude, it's, it, and, and it's like a, I'm going to throw around these terms and they're going to be like, Mo, you have no, you have no, you're, you don't, you're not Dr. Mo, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I understand that, but look, I mean, there, you cannot tell me that Oxy is not a harder drug than yeah. marijuana. Oh yeah. No, they, no, they lost the lawsuit. They lost billion. The, this, uh, Sackler family lost a multi-billion dollar lawsuit because it's, it's as addictive as, and probably more dangerous than heroin. I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly dangerous drug that they marketed. So I think there's, I, I think there's a, I think there's business a, a, around this, and there's yes. marketing around it where a message yeah. gets delivered that this is yeah. good, this is bad, and you grow yeah. up over time, 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. and you automatically start to be like, you have this socialized thinking, yeah. right, where it's like this is good, this is bad, yep. and I think you need to step back and be like more of an independent thinker because uh, here's another one, and I don't know anything about it, but like people are talking about microdosing psychedelics. Now, yes. yeah. If you if you ask me like growing up the way I grew up, very old yeah. school, I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god, what's yeah. the world coming to?" Yeah. But yeah. then if you take a step back and you're like, "Well, well hold on here. Uh, they've been using, you know, morphine for the longest time. They've been using oxy for the longest yeah. time." Yeah. You know, what are the medical benefits of right. this? Is it actually more beneficial? Right. Um, can, can it help people out of, cause I'm, cause you know, they're doing studies on people that, cause we, we were talking about law enforcement versus military. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of mental trauma in law enforcement. I think there's a lot of mental trauma for military that goes through combat. Yes. Uh, but even for the law enforcement that doesn't see combat, they're just seeing a lot of bad stuff every yes. single day. Yeah. Um, and so they're talking about this mental trauma and they're and people are talking about how microdosing on, I don't know, is shrooms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can, can is is actually you know more beneficial than some of the medicine that was out there today like some of yeah. the medicine that's out there today is like the equivalent of chemo it's it's very old school it's not new 
Yeah. Um, and now this is something new that's not as harsh on the body and you can do it more long term. And who knows if any of this is true, yeah. but like, you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what part of me thinks is just socialized thinking that I grew up being told by friends and family that this is a bad thing. Yeah. And now I, I, I want to take on a more independent thinker like, yeah. uh, uh, approach to it simply because in my past profession, I've seen people that abuse legalized drugs. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Yeah. The microdosing actually, it's psycho, psychosilbin, salicylbin, some of that, some sort of mushroom thing. And supposedly that, that's a good way to actually get people to stop drinking. Um, that's like, the part, supposedly it, it helps with that. Um, and again, with all these things, I look at it to saying, well, it, it could help probably, but. Oh, you said something, Carter, and I want to cut you off, but. Yeah. Um, you said something, and I think this is how this is where I fall on it right now. Yeah. I'm not for it. I'm not against it. It's yeah. based on context. Yeah, that's that's and that's, that's the thing. Yeah, it's not a it. black and white thing. Yeah. It's it's a case by case thing. Yes, yes, and I think that's the way to approach it because it's like the the hype, you know, the reefer madness back in the '50s or whenever it was, like pot's gonna make you crazy. It's like okay, that was silly and ridiculous. Uh, some of the prohibition stuff where it's like you just created a whole class of gangster, you know, alcohol gangsters and stuff like that. You know, maybe that wasn't good either. But to go the opposite and be like, you know, weed is a completely harmless drug. No, it's not. It's not. It's just not. I mean, like, if it has no effect, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, it's like this thing. It's like you can't have it both ways. And people like, like people used to get like say that even the UFC, like, okay, they like if you tested positive for weed, um, the fight was considered a no contest. And they're like, well, this is BS. This isn't fair. You know, pot has no effect on these things. And then in the next sentence, the guy's saying how much it helps them train and relax and recover. And blah, blah. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it had no effect. If it has no effect, why are you doing it? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Why are you doing it? Like, it's just. But it's you're right, though. Everything is a give and take. Yeah. That you are gaining some benefit up front, but you're, 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 you're going to be losing something. And I forgot exactly. what the economic principle is or the scientific principle is where it, it, it's a, I know I read about it in mental models, but it comes into decision-making where you make a decision now because you see the benefit of what it's going to cost today, but right. there's no way to predict what the domino effect will be yes. later on. Yeah, I agree. And that's like that, interest rates, yeah, like interest that, rates is one of those things, right? Yeah. Like you don't know, you increase interest rates today. You really don't know yeah. what the 20 year, 30 year effects are going to be. Yeah. You don't know. And, and it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just think with all these things, um, cause I've seen benefits, but I've also seen the downsides of a lot of different stuff, be it steroids, alcohol, weed, whatever, that just being honest about the cost benefit and realizing that that may change over time, um, and making adjustments over time to me, that's, that's probably the way to do it. It's just to me when it turns into something where it's just this good thing that you're doing just to, you know, get something back or whatever. It's like, it's, this is usually not the case. At least I've never met anybody on TRT that that was truly what was happening. Cause it's like, no, you want to get lean. You want to get muscular. You want to feel mm -hmm. good. You want to do all these Dude, things. I, can, I guarantee you there are, this is, this is a joke. This yeah. to me is kind of a joke where because uh, I agree with you, right? Like, okay, I can kind of see with the athlete, right? The athlete, especially at a high level, yeah. people don't understand how they think at a high level. If you've yeah. never competed at a high level, yeah. you want to win at all costs, right? Yeah. 
and the difference between champion and, and the number one contender in skill is very, very minute. Yes. And you're going to be looking for anything that can give you the edge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason I, I bring this up is because I think I can I can sort of understand it when it happens at those high levels, right? Like when Lance Armstrong was freaking doing yeah. his thing, I was like, yeah, I see that. Yeah. I, I see why he would want to do it, right? Like he's freaking competitive. And at that level, and there's millions of dollars on the line. And yeah, it's a yeah. hundred percent. But the dude that is middle age in jujitsu yeah. class yeah. That, that, that works a nine to five job and he yeah. gets smashed at jujitsu class. And he's yeah. like, you know what I'm going to do, bro? I'm going to go to my doctor and tell him I need some TRT because I don't want to get smashed. And it happens all the time. All the time. All the and that time. is ridiculous. I know many, that is many, not many a good people. reason to take Roy's, bro. Yeah, it's just to me because to me the problem is is that you're you need to get better at jujitsu. <laughs> That's usually the thing. And the other thing too is that you know, like I've been told, like, oh, you have you know, I have good genetics because I'm you know relatively lean and I'm you know whatever. I'll be 49 next month. Blah blah blah. But it's like I look at what people around me, a lot of them are doing, and it's like, well, a lot of them drink alcohol and they drink beer. They their diet is eh. Their workouts are eh. Like. They're not really doing a lot of the things, and especially a lot of times, people will stop doing things that they were doing when they were younger. Like they worked out more consistently; it was more of a big deal. They ate more carefully. Um, you know, there's different things that they did when they're younger. They're not doing anymore, and then they blame it on age. And they're like, "Well, I want to, you know, I need to lose weight, but I can't do it anymore. I've done everything I can do. I need to start taking TRT." And it's like, or you could stop doing things that are bad for you. Like you could just stop drinking beer. Like for most dudes, it's like if you want to get lean. Stop drinking beer. There you go. And it's like I love what I, you just said right now because it's address the address the the fundamentals first. And yeah. I'll give you an example that that we see a lot of times in medicine yeah. is I remember back in the day I had a doctor and anytime I was sick it was like boom give me a drug yeah. and you'll get better. Yeah. Then as like 15 years went by I began to see a shift when I would go to a physician. Yeah. They wouldn't want to give me a drug. And I was so used to it. I was like, bro, just give me my antibiotics already, yeah. you know, or whatever yeah. it was. And he was like, yeah. well, let's first start with your diet. Let's see if your diet, you know, what, you know, what, what's that going to do? And I think yeah. you're exactly right with your jujitsu analogy. Yeah. Like people are not good at jujitsu. And yeah. the first thing is like, oh, give me steroids so I can get better at my jujitsu. When really as a physician, your yeah. physician would say, well, let's figure out how much are you training yeah. What are you actually working? Let's yeah. let's get your jujitsu good, and exactly. then we'll see whether or not you know you need a supplement. Yeah. But people, but that's why the supplement market is so good. This is actually going to lead me into something that we'll talk about maybe next podcast because we're, yeah. we're we were uh, we're uh, gonna we're gonna blow this one out of the water. But um, it's the idea that people want they want immediate effects. Of course. Yeah. I just had a conversation with my son and, and I promise you like right before the podcast. Yeah. Because we were watching the uh, I was watching and he was sort of uh he was sort of listening. I was watching the uh um Berkshire Hathaway had their uh, Oh yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're yeah. Yeah, their annual uh their annual meeting, right? Stock, stockholder meeting. Yeah. And um uh and so my son was asking me questions about like Warren Buffett and how, you know, how, why is he a great investor and all this type of thing. And I said, son, I go, I, I, I turned it off and I said, look, this is a secret. I'm going to tell you the secret to getting rich. And it's not a secret really at all. Right. It's that majority of the secret to getting rich is investing consistently in clear winners over a long period of time. 
The greatest secret from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger is that they have been alive for a long time and they have consistently invested up through the ups and the downs in clear winners. And the reason why there's not more people, even though this is a very, very simple concept, you don't have to be a genius to follow it, is because people are very much in love. They're not like that. They're not logical. They're not rational. Most people, and I'm even talking about myself, I I have made some bad investments because of this mentality. They they are, they, they, they think I just because I told my son, just because you invest in a company doesn't make you an investor. If the company is 50, 50, it can, there's a 50% chance it could lose 50% chance it can win. You're gambling. So just because you're investing in a company doesn't make you an investor. You're just a gambler because there's no difference than if you were to take that money and put it in a slot machine in Las Vegas. Yeah. Your odds are completely the same. Yep. But the reason the thing behind this is that a lot of people have I want it, I want it now mentality. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, they want to plant the seeds and then they want to see it grow over 50, 60, 70 years. They have yep. a very long-term mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't want the immediate results. Yep. People yep. that take steroids, they want the immediate results. They do. You know they what do. I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, no, it's you're totally right, and it's funny. I mean, the last few years, especially the last year or so, I've really started looking at my own investing as not not no longer really my investing. This is now what's going to my nieces, my nephews, Yusuf. What's going to different people? Like, and that's just, I look at it like what's what's gonna what am I investing in now that's going to be a good investment after I'm dead, basically. And it's 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 an interesting feeling to kind of look at it that way start looking at it really like long-term that way. And would you look at whether or not you take, maybe you should, maybe a good way, a good mental model for decision-making is look at all your decisions as investments. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, is taking steroids right now a good investment right. in the long-term? Yeah. 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 I think, I think it's a great way to look at it because, um, and again, my mentality may change at some point. There may just come a time where I'm like, dude, my body is just completely broken down. And I've tried everything else I can try. Screw it. I'm going to do this because I still think that getting on the mat is healthy. I still think being able to work out is healthy. And if you're at a point where you're just so racked up with pain and injuries or whatever, that you just can't do any of that stuff anymore, then I can see doing it. But But, again, your context has changed, right? Yeah. yeah. You're talking about in context. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's one of these things that until that happens, I just don't feel like it's necessary. And I feel like most of the guys that I've seen that have gone down that route they went down that route because they didn't want to give up bad habits and they wanted an edge that they weren't going to get otherwise. And I, no problem with that. But to me, it's like, I feel like I could still technically get way better jujitsu. Um, and, and if I'm just in this thing where I'm just physically outmatched by somebody, that's life. Yeah. There's always going to be people 100%. that are physically outmatched. I mean, like it's, that's just how it is. And, and to try and like narrow that gap, especially, you know, the the reality is after the first probably four years that you're doing resistance training, that's pretty much all the gains you're going to get. I know people like to say it otherwise, but I I, I read an article by Steve Maxwell that said that a few years ago. And I look back and I'm like, yeah, when I was 17, I started lifting weights. I weighed 125 pounds. And by the time I was just turning 21, I was 195 pounds. That's 70 pounds of mainly muscle. Um, But I haven't gained anything since then. I mean, like if anything, my weight fluctuates or whatever, but that 195 is about as high as I can get, get down to maybe 175 or whatever. But it's like, that's, that was my gains. And that was when I was 21 and now I'm almost 49. It's like, it doesn't, this idea of like, 
Oh, and then the next year you're up to 225 and then 295. I mean, maybe with some people, but yeah. for most of us, it's like it's those, those first four or five it, years. It's almost it's almost just like investing in a lot of ways, right? This yeah. idea that it just keeps going up. Oh. That it's you like, just keep getting stronger as long as you keep, you know, I, I, I think everybody's going to have their peak. But what I really love about your thinking, and I know we've talked about this before in terms of like when I ask you about um, drinking tea, yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm still not really drinking any caffeine, um, but I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not against it either. If it happens, yeah. it happens. Yeah. And I think that is such important yeah. thinking. I remember my younger self. I would pigeonhole myself into this or that, yeah. black or white. It's either I'm doing it or I'm not doing it. And if I decide that I'm not doing it, then there's no way ever in the entire, ex yeah. you know, as long as I'm alive, I will never go against it. It's a principle. Right. And yeah. that's just not true. Yeah. I think it takes constant reflection, constantly evaluating because your life is constantly changing. Yeah. And it may not be, something may not be good for you today, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be good for you tomorrow. I agree. I agree. And I think that's the, that's the way you got to look at it. Because it's like, you know, if you get, it's like you almost get fascinated by the rules or the the sort of uh, prison that you put yourself in and thought right. on like, it's got to be this way or it's got to be that way. And that to me is, you know, another thing that we will talk about at some point. That's techniques instead of tactics. You're getting obsessed with certain techniques versus the overall tactic. Mm. And the problem with that is that it, just going from the jiu-jitsu metaphor again, like let's say that you like to invert and, and play leg locks a lot, get into the legs and then the legs that way. Well, you're going to get so many tokens on your neck before your neck is going to start bothering you. <laughs> Pretty much guarantee that because I used to play a lot of inversion stuff and, and that's going to happen. A lot of these guys are like, oh, I'm 25, I feel fine. It's like, okay, but talk to me in 10 years. But that doesn't mean that leg locks aren't affected, that doesn't mean you can't get to the legs. It means that maybe your ways of entering into the legs will change over time because right now you're doing what's most effective. But again, effective short-term as an athlete is not the same thing as long-term uh, endurance that you're going to have as a person. And you have to look at the two things differently. And as long-term comes, your techniques may change even though the tactic overall may not. So that's, to me, that's a much pleasure much more more pleasant way of living life because that way you can adapt and things can change and you're okay with it but if you're focused on no it's got to be like this technique like you're talking about how they used to pigeonhole yourself that is a miserable way of getting older because that will change and if you're looking at it like no this is the only way to do it then you are going to you are going to be very bitter when you get older which sucks because getting older is awesome it's so much fun i'm having more fun now than i've ever had in my life and this is how this is how it should be, and it can be as long as you have that flexibility. Threw down the mic. Mic drop. Right. Check out this episode or our past episodes. Go to the Jujitsu of Life. Uh, check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. As always, I'm Mo. That is my brother, partner in crime, Carter Fisk, and we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jujitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. 
thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.